between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. afternoon. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness, for the grace for us to gather together again. We want to learn of you, to learn from your feet, to partake of your of your feet this afternoon, to be thou exalted in Jesus' name. Our Father and our God, as we go into the Word, we ask that you will guide us, guide our thought, guide our spirit, soul, and body. Help us to align under you and to yield to your spirit. We want to learn that which you are to teach us this noon. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we come with all loneliness and meekness of heart. And I yield myself to you, Lord. I ask that you take all preeminence in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, you will speak your word. You You would speak. Father, not my word, but yours. This noon in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered us. Thank you for um, your mercy. Thank you because we know that you have heard us this afternoon, this noon. See me that exalted. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Welcome us this afternoon. Amen. Thank God for His grace and His mercy. Thank God for how he has helped us. Thank God for how he's helping us. Amen. Amen. So today, I know I give out assignments on Tuesday, but I don't know if we have been able to do it. Did you do the assignment? Yeah. Okay. Well, no problem. Amen. Amen. Maybe next Tuesday, I'll ask, I'll ask for for the for submission okay. <laughs> amen okay praise the lord hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. um the assignment really is just to help us to get a head start concerning part of what i'm going to be talking about today i just felt i needed to just give a quick and probably that's all i'll probably do today and then we can continue from what we stop on tuesday Amen. Amen. So it is clear that <clears throat> so it is clear that um, we've been learning a lot concerning the light of God, concerning His uh, His light that He commanded to shine out of darkness into our heart. Amen. Amen. And we know, of course, that. That light has to do with knowledge. Amen. Amen. Because that's how God gives uh, himself. How God reveals himself is by light. 
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to quickly read um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm pretty sure we should have it as a memory verse by now. Verse 5, it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And how I, how I landed here really was trying to explain God commanding light to shine out of darkness, you know, shining in the face of Jesus. And then we've been stuck there for a bit. Uh, I didn't know it was going to take this while, but I, was, I took time in explaining the light that is shining out of darkness. Right? And I mentioned that darkness here is not talking about um, the darkness, not just talking about the darkness regarding the wickedness of men. Yeah. Right? Or darkness uh, with regards to people not being uh, born again. Right? And as a result, they are under darkness. Um, that darkness here that God commanded light to shine out of is talking about a place, right? And we mentioned that that place is is a place in the tabernacle. Amen. Amen. And we referred and I mentioned that as the holy place, which the light is shining out from, because the light in the holy place, which is really for. The, uh, which is really f- the true light of God that begins to call a soul into the knowledge of God. And it's the light God commanded to shine to a soul so that that soul can be brought to him so that he can shine his light upon him so that that soul can be blessed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, um, the light that God commanded out of that, that dark place is the holy place. And I said that perhaps we we need a view or a mental view of the, the tabernacle. And for us that have heard about it and don't know about it, or I mean, or maybe I have a question for us, or maybe not a, maybe it's a rhetorical question. And the question is, has it has it ever has it ever occurred to us that we'll be hearing tabernacle tomorrow? Maybe I should study about it. As, as it, uh, uh, so, have we had time to study about it? Not really. Amen. Right, I guess God will help us a little bit. So, regarding the, the tabernacle, there's an arrangement God made for the tabernacle. Amen. Amen. And, and I was also explaining that the tabernacle also represents the kingdom of God. Amen. So, the way God arranged it is such a way that we can, we can use that as a template. To define a journey in the kingdom. Amen. Because it's inside the kingdom of God that the dealings of God really, really begins for, a, for an Israel. Amen. If you are not if you are not inside anywhere near the tabernacle or the courts of the congregation, as the scripture will say, you've not you've not moved into areas of dealings that has to do with the service of God. Amen. Everybody outside the tabernacle, uh, they are doing their own thing. 
right? They are planting, harvesting. They deal with their brethren, their neighbors. They they talk, they gist, they you know walk. They do all kinds of things. They do, but the life there doesn't have to reflect the life in the tab in inside the the the. Not just the tabernacle, inside the court. Right? Or the tabernacle. Amen. Yeah. And I notice I'm using the word court, tabernacle, right? Because they are not the same thing. Amen. The court is before the tabernacle itself. Amen. But the court is a marker which separates the service of God from the people. Right? Everything outside the court, even the, the court itself is not the most holy, it's not the most it's not the most God-God aspect of that arrangement. If that makes sense. Amen. Amen. So it's not the God, it's not the most godly arrangement, if I can use that word. Arrangement. Amen. But the God separates. God has to separate the life of the people from His life. Amen. And if you want His life, you need to move into the tabernacle or into the court or the arrangement God gave Israel. Amen. Which is specifically for the service of God. Amen. So, in order to understand that separation, we just take a look at the tabernacle. Amen. <laughs> Right, so that we understand where that darkness is. Amen. So we're going to go to um I said okay, it is Hebrew in my heart, so let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews eight. I think from there I will spring. You know, we'll go to Exodus. Because I know I give us assignment in Exodus, eh? Amen. So Hebrews 8 helps us simplify the whole arrangement. We might come back here, but with the eye of Hebrews, we can begin to separate things more clearly. Amen. Amen. It says, Now of the things which, have, which we have spoken, this is the sum, that we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary. Now they're also talking about a place here. And of the true tabernacle, right? Of the sun and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gift and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man also have somewhat also to offer. This man has somewhat also to offer. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Says for if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. So who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he say, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Alleluia. So, they are referencing the instruction given to Moses here. And Paul was also referencing that what God gave Moses is a pattern. Mm. 
So see that thou do it according to the pattern given to you on the mount, which is the mountain which God began to talk to Moses. Amen. Amen. And it was upon the mountain that God decided to start giving the Moses. God decided to start giving Moses how to build the tabernacle. Amen. Amen. And I notice that they're talking about a high priest who is the minister of the sanctuary. Right? So a minister of the sanctuary. And they're talking about Christ. Amen. Amen. So Christ is a minister of the sanctuary. That is his arena. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want, uh, if I go in with the way my head is thinking, I don't think I'll go to the banana. So let me just let me just continue. Amen. Amen. But I just that minister of the sanctuary just stood out, mm-hmm. right? Regarding what we are really talking yes. about in Second Corinthians chapter four, yes. right? Saying that the light of God commanded to shine out of darkness, yes. and that dark place is really the sanctuary, yes. and the light there is Christ, who is the minister of the sanctuary. Does that make sense? Now, his ministry in the sanctuary is what is bringing light. Amen. 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 You know, he's in, in his, he's in the sanctuary doing something. It's not just playing there, right? So, is the things in the sanctuary that he's doing is what God commanded. Amen. But let's move forward. I think I've, I've, I've spoken a lot about that area. Amen. He says, for every high priest or then to offer gifts and service. Okay, but okay. Let me let me move to Moses' area. So if, in verse 5, say, Who served unto the example and shadow of heavenly things? And Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. So God, it says that this thing was a shadow of heavenly things, meaning it is a copy of heavenly things. So what I'm trying to depict here is that there is an actual tabernacle in the heavens. If there's a tabernacle in the heavens, right, and there is a court, or let me say, let's say there's a tabernacle in heaven, and God gave Moses a shadow of it, it means that God is trying to typify the true reality in the spirit to show men in the natural. Amen. So when we're making statements like the tabernacle or all those things represent the kingdom, it is really the kingdom. Because there's a there is where God is in the heaven. Right? There are arrangements of things around him. There is a tabernacle in the heaven. There is a most holy place in the heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, if there is the most holy, that means there is a dark, there is a dark area in the heavens. There is thick darkness in the heaven. Because I, and I was explaining that last week, where thick darkness and darkness, just to show this area a bit. Now, why am I saying that? It's because when I say thick darkness, it doesn't mean that it is dark and black and... No, it just means it is unseen. It means it is invincible. The more invincible it is, the darker it is. Amen. It is thick darkness because God, where God is, it is very, very, very invincible. So it is dark. Amen. 
but let me move forward. So it is a God gave Moses an example of the heavenly things, which means there's in the heavens when you move there, you begin to see the tabernacle, and but but that is not even surprising. Why? Because if you go to the book of Revelation, then you begin to see it clearly. Everything about the book of Revelation then are just are just things concerning service, the, the kingdom. Because the dealing there is from the court, holy place, most holy. Things that were coming out from there were just from that area. Finish. It's almost like when you move John to the heavens and they began to see things. You began to see service. You began to see all these things that we were all seeing that were scaring men. It's not supposed to be scary. It was just things that is there in the heavens. Amen. So we see here that there's a sanctuary. Um, let me see if I can read. Because uh, it is in verse 9 that Paul now began to talk specifically concerning certain areas in the tabernacle. And I'm, I'm, ah, should I read this first or should I come back? Amen. Amen. But I will have to jump from here because the rest was talking about the covenant, right? But it is what I wanted to bring out of here is Paul referencing a minister of the sanctuary, which is Christ, but also specifically talking about the sanctuary. If you go to chapter 9, verse 1 of Hebrews, you know, she says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. Amen. Because it says a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shoe bread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that bore it and the tables of the covenant, and over it the cherubims of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Amen. Amen. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. Amen. Amen. So you see there, that Paul began to, there's something much more that Paul is talking about here. But he had to mention the arrangement of the tabernacle. Amen. Now, Paul in himself was actually raised to teach the minister of the sanctuary. Now, the minister of the sanctuary is Christ. So Paul was specifically raised to teach Christ. So it is not, it is not, it is not far-fetched that it didn't start from the outside. He moved straight into the tabernacle. So what is what is talking about now is the tabernacle. Now if you want to draw what the tabernacle looks like, you can draw a big square. Amen? When we draw a big square, then, in that square, we can put a line. Not in the middle, but a little bit far right. Amen? Amen. Because in the, in the square, one space is bigger than the other. Amen. So the sanctuary is much more bigger than the holy place. So it's not so it's not directly in the middle. Amen. Praise the Lord. So if we have that square and then we draw it in the middle, then the first space will be the sanctuary. 
then there is that line we draw is not the veil which Paul says that after the second veil right this tabernacle which is called the holiest of all that's verse 3 right now you know why is he saying the second veil because there's a first veil the first veil is what you cross to enter the sanctuary itself Amen. And we'll see all these things when we now go to Exodus. So let's go to the book of Exodus. Amen. Ah! I don't know where to start. But we'll see. Know why? Because Exodus is very Exodus. It's too long. Eh? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. If if we address these this books, it will make my life a lot easier. But I guess you guys can read it on your own. There's nothing I can do. You just I, I don't have time to go through all of them. So you would have to just read it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So in chapter 25 is where where things really began but if you really really want to know the the arrangement and the story of things you have to go you have to go from chapter 20 you have to start from chapter 20 all the way to the end amen That is where God began to give Moses what we call the Ten Commandments. Then chapter one, he began to give him judgment. No, we talk about commandment, but we don't talk about judgment. So really, what God gave him, there's the way God arranged it, right? So there's the commandment, there's the judgment on how to deal with the things. Amen. Amen. And then when we got to chapter 25, God began to talk about the sanctuary. Amen. Amen. So let me read from chapter 25. I will not read too much. But I'll just start from there. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly. With his heart you shall make my you shall take my offering. And this is the offering ye shall take of them. Gold, silver, and brass. See those three. Those three things are particular to what they used to make the tabernacle. So God called Moses and told them, See, take from amongst the people. Take them to give, uh, ask them offering. Amen. Amen. Everyone that wants to give willingly. 
Amen. Amen. So for those that are that are fighting people giving off food, <laughs> right? They should come and read this part. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not talking specifically about money, but it's often is a concept. Yeah. Right? It's a, I would say it's a concept. Well, I'm just calling it a concept in the sense that there is what offering really is. Offering just means you offer, you give, right? Willingly. That's the only thing. So the only problem I have here is those that use gimmick to collect offering from people. That's the only problem. But those that give willingly, ask, right? Ask of them and, and take of them for those that give willingly. Right? As long as nobody is coerced to give, then nobody should be angry that people are giving to the body or to the church. Why are you angry? You know, give, no, no problem. Did I get you did not to give? No. But don't go and not be bashing people that are giving. Amen. So God takes offering. Right? So willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them gold, silver, and brass. Now it is very those those three things also talks about different huh it also talks about different layers or different dealings when it comes to the kingdom. Now I now notice that brass is more is not brass is not as precious as silver. Right? Silver is not as precious as gold. Amen. Amen. But if you read further later on, you now notice that the things in the sanctuary are to be made of gold. Mm. But you can see silver mm. and brass outside the tabernacle. Mm. Amen. Amen. Even how you raise, how you raise the, the court, you have both silver and gold and brass. Eh? You have socket and I forgot the other name. The socket and eye. Is it eye and socket? I think so. So there's a way God designed it that you make the eye and you make the socket. They use the I think it's the two material. They use bronze and brass, right? But what I'm I'm not talking specifically about you know mystery regarding any of that. I'm not teaching mystery. I'm just trying to explain certain things and the concept here that gold is most precious to us, right? Now in order to, then God began to instruct them to use gold. For certain things in the holy place and the most holy place, amen. Even though the materials they may not be entirely of gold, in the sense that the ark of the covenant is a wood, right? But they had to be overlaid with gold, meaning, in a way, gold, those precious metals, is a way, it's almost like a covenant to keep what is inside, right? I'm still, I'm still learning that area. Still learning that area, and you now notice that when God is dealing with, when God is dealing with us, or is talking about certain things, or when we move into the uh, into the heavens, you now say, "Oh, I saw a street as of gold, things like that." Yeah. All those things doesn't necessarily mean that those things are real, like gold that you and I touch, but they are all signs, right? They are all there's a word for it where. You, you have to be able to interpret them. There are signs and symbols, symbols right? 
which means a lot. Amen. But let me read further. It says, And blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat hair. Amen. Amen. So, see, all these colors, they are the things that God is specific about. Purple, scarlet, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat hair. Amen. Those are the things that they use in the most, not just most holy, but in the holy place and the most holy. Now, these are things they use for the veil, right? But, but later you see, but that's why you should, you should read all these things. Amen. I don't have time, so I won't read, I can't read everything. It's a blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen and goat hair. The ram skin, dyed red, badger skin, and shitting wood. Oil for the light, spices for anointing oil, and for sweet incense. Oils and stones to be set in the effort and in the breastplate. And let them make a sanctuary. You see? Let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now realize that the purpose of the sanctuary is so that God can dwell amongst the people. Meaning that wherever you find the sanctuary, you'll find God. That tells us something about God. It tells, it tells us that God dwells in a tabernacle. There's a heavenly one. He's there. And I'll give Moses a type of it. So that when he comes down to the worldly sanctuary, to the world, he can have a place to land. Amen. He can have a place to land. I mean, I, I don't think God wants to be. God wants to start burning everywhere like he burnt Mancina. I don't. I mean, you know, he burnt that Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so I, th- I think God was merciful <laughs> to each of them to the earth and say, "No, let me not scatter the whole place. Let me just for me to dwell among you, right? Build me a tabernacle." But the actual intent of God was not to dwell in tabernacle made with hands. Where God wants to dwell is inside them. But uh, you have to see in verse chapter 20, like I was saying, to see the whole story. How God called them and they rejected God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, God rejected, so they rejected God. Then, for, there's, that means, so the purpose of God landing on the mountain is so that he can eventually land inside the people. Right? So, the people were supposed to become a tabernacle for God. Which when you now read in the book of Revelation, you now begin to see what he begin to explain. He said, behold, the tabernacle of God is with me. Let me read it actually. In Revelation chapter... 21, I believe. Yes. I read from verse 3. Let me read from verse 1, actually. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the fifth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Prepared as a bride adorned for her, bride, for her husband. 
And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And see the next statement here. And he showered, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Now notice that the tabernacle and dwelling, they are together. So the purpose of the tabernacle is for to dwell. So in this revelation, when the tabernacle of God is finally with men, like it was supposed to be in Israel, then God can now dwell. Amen? Amen. With them. So, if they, they were able to receive God, they will become the tabernacle of God and then God can dwell with them just like it was said in this revelation. Amen. The book of Revelation saying, God shall dwell with them. So God said, tell them to be, make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Now this sanctuary that he's talking about, I believe he's talking about both the holy place and the most holy. Amen. Amen. Because when he said the sanctuary is not, is, I'll say maybe there are two sanctuaries, but the one they actually call the sanctuary is the holy place. Amen. Amen. That I may dwell among them. Said, according to all that I showed that I'm going back to Exodus 25. Eh? Say, according to all that I showed thee, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Now, now this, this talks about what Paul was referencing in the book of Hebrews. I said, for six. Uh, for see, saith he, that you make everything according to the pattern, right? Yeah. Now, this is the statement here in Exodus 25 that God was telling Moses. says, ensure, see, according to all that I showed you, after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it, right? So you must, God pretty much was telling Moses, you must make it according to the pattern that I show you. Amen. Then he began to talk about then God now started talking about the measurement, right? There are, because every, the way, every single thing about the tabernacle is measured. Precise. God, God didn't just say, go and bid. God began to give him measurement of every single instrument. Amen. Amen. Meaning that every single instrument has a measure. There's a measure it ought to add to a believer. Amen. Because everything that God that God asked Moses to build as a reference to the tabernacle has something to do when it, with regards to dealing with the soul of a believer. So they're not just there for you no know, fancy sake. No one God well you see that which we'll see it shall as we read. Because when God began to tell them, now you know, give them measured ark. Measure the holy place. Measure the most holy. That's how I got to know. If not, if it was not measured, we would know that the holy place is larger than the most holy. Amen. And the reason for that is because the journey in there is much longer than the journey in the most holy. Amen. The journey is a lot shorter in the most holy because by the time you enter that most holy, you must have become divine. You are, you are, you are, you are, a, you are now a full-blown spirit. Amen. And the way a, a, you give something to a spirit is different from the way you give something to a natural man. A natural man takes things much more slower yeah. than a spirit. So by the time you move into the most holy, you have gathered so much speed. You are, you are fast. 
So the, the cause there is not that far. It's not that much. It's short, concise, straightforward. I mean, but that doesn't mean it is easy. Anyways, but it is clear that the journey is, is, is shorter than the most holy. Now, so God began to talk about, uh, in chapter 25, it says in verse 10, and they shall make an ark of sheeting wood, two cubits and a half shall be in the land thereof, and a cubit and a half breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half height thereof. Now, this is, this is where you people have your assignment, because you guys have to narrate everything. Now, God was telling Moses how to build the ark, how to build it, every single thing in the, in the tabernacle, and then he gave him measurement. So, because of time, I'm not going to read all that. Now, so all this up until chapter 40 was God giving Moses instructions concerning the holy place, most holy, the courts, how to measure them and build them. Now, to now see, after God gave him measurement and everything and all the descriptions, which you people have to read, and if God allows us sometime, you might make reference to it. And I can tell you one billion times that we will definitely make reference to it. Because it's just impossible to teach Christ without talking about things in the tabernacle, the instruments in the tabernacle, because they have to, a lot to do with your journey. So we might make reference to it, touch it here and there, right? Because it is needed for our journey to understand certain things, to understand service, to understand work, to understand God's mind concerning how a, a soul should journey, we need to have an idea of what these things are. So, in case you think maybe you read it in the next 10 years, just know that you are also delaying your understanding. So, so let me go to verse chapter Amen. Thirty-nine huh. and forty are things I should read, but it is quite long. I guess because of time, I'm going to... I'll read it, but I'll be fast. So I'm not going to make reference to it, but 39 lists every single thing that they had to make. So it's like, after God instructed them to make it, then this chapter 29 and chapter 49 began to talk about everything God asked them to make, where they are supposed to place it. Because of time, I may not be able to explain that, but we'll see. But let's read it quickly. Verse, chapter 39, verse 1. Says, and of the blue and purple and scarlet, they made cloth of service to do service in the holy place and made the holy garment for Aaron as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the effort of gold, blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen. And they did beat the gold into tin plate and cut it into wires to work it in the blue and the purple and in the scarlet and in the fine linen with cunning works. They made shoulder piece for it to couple it together by the two edges was it coupled together and curious girdle of his effort and was upon it was one was of the same according to the work thereof of gold, blue, purple and scarlet and fine twine linen 
as the Lord commanded Moses, and they wrought oink stone enclosed in arches of gold, graven as signets are graven, with the names of the children of Israel. <laughs> and he put them on the shoulders of the ephod, that they should be stones for a memorial to the children of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he made the breastplate of cunning work, like the work of the effort of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen. It was four square. They made the breastplate double. A span was the length thereof, and a span and the breadth thereof being doubled. And they set in it four rows of stone. The first row was a saddle, a topaz, a comical. This was the first row. And the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. And the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. Amen. Amen. Now, all this thing they are talking about, they are talking about the garment that they said they should make for the high priest, which he must wear. So they are describing things they have to put in there. Amen. But let me go for that. And the stones were according, verse 14, because I have to jump. And the stones were according to the names of the children of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engraving of signet, everyone with, the, with his name according to the 12 tribes. And they made upon the breastplate chains at the end of written work of pure gold. And they made two arches of gold, two gold rings, and put the two rings in the two ends of the breastplate. Amen. Amen. Huh? I thought this was going to be a very short teaching. It's almost one hour. Uh, I guess I'm rushing. I don't want to be passed because I thought the teaching the Bible was very simple and straightforward. It shouldn't take long. But so, let me read for that, shall? And they put the two written chains of gold in the two rings on the ends of the breastplate and the two ends of the two rooting. I don't think this will make too much sense for us now because we don't know what God instructed, right? Yeah. And what it's for. But if you read from chapter 25 to this point, it will be clear. Mm. Amen. And that's why Amen. I said we should read it. Amen. Yeah. And the two ends of the two written chains, they fasten in the two arches and put them on the shoulder piece of the effort before it. Right. Let me jump to... Okay, so they were talking about all these things, and then let me jump to. Ah, a whole lot of things are here. You know what? Let me jump to verse thirty-two. Said, so, "Thus was all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation finished." Right? They're talking about all the works, and the children of Israel did according to all the Lord commanded Moses. So they did, and they brought the tabernacle unto Moses. The tent and all his furniture. You see, they brought the tabernacle unto Moses, the tent and all his furniture, his touches, his boards, his bars, and his pillars and his sockets. And the covering of ram skin dyed red, and the covering of badger skin, and the veil of the covering, the ark of the testimony, and the staves or the staves thereof, and the mercy seat. The table and all the vessels thereof, and the shoe bread, the pure candlestick with the lamps thereof, even with the lamps to be set in order, and all the vessels thereof, and the oil for light, and the golden altar, and the anointing oil, and the sweet incense, and the hangings for the tabernacle door, the brazen altar, and the and his grate of brass, his staves, and all his vessels, the lava, and his foot. The hangings of the court, his pillars and his socket, and the hangings for the court gate, his cords and his pins, and all the vessels of the service of the ser of the service of the tabernacle. For the tent of the congregation, 
the cloth of service to do service in the holy place and the holy garment for Aaron the priest. And his son's garment to minister in the priest's office. Verse 42. According to all the Lord commanded Moses to the children of Israel made all the work. And Moses did look upon all the work. And behold, they had done it as the Lord had commanded. Even so had they done it, and Moses blessed them. Amen. Amen. Now, this just talks about all the work that was done. Now, going to chapter 40 is where they now began to explain the way they were setting up the tabernacle. Amen. Amen. So we are going to quickly read because this is a long read. It's from verse 1 to verse 31. Okay. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the month shalt thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. Amen. Amen. You shall also set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. And thou shalt put therein the ark of the testimony. So they're not beginning to talk about the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Right? Amen. Mm-hmm. Of the tent of the congregation. Right? Now there's a way, there's a way they put the tent of the congregation, but we'll see it further than what that means. And thou shalt put therein the ark of the testimony and cover the ark with the veil. And thou shalt bring in the table and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. Amen. Amen. Now, here, they've moved away from the most holy. Right? In chapter 3, in verse 3, it says, And thou shalt put therein the ark. So, they're talking about the most holy place where they put the ark. And and you shall put the veil upon it, meaning put the veil that separates the most holy from the holy place. Right? And thou shalt bring in the table and set in order the things that are to be set in order upon it. Now, this table here is the table that is in the holy place. Now, there's a table in the holy place where they place the shoe bread or the bread that they show. That's what I mean. You show the bread. So the shoe bread. Amen. So, there's a bread. So, in the holy place, you must always have bread on the table, right? Which you show. Amen. Amen. And said, And thou shalt bring in the candlestick and the light the lamps thereof. So inside the holy place, you also have the candlestick. Now there are two things they are mentioning in the holy place now that, that are instruments or furnitures inside the holy place now. The table, the candlestick. Amen. Amen. And then in the candlestick, you have to light the lamps thereof. So you see, you see, they say light the lamps. Now the reason why they have to light the lamps is because the holy place, because of the way God built it, there's no way light can get in there. So it's very dark. Now I said, put the lamp candlestick, right, or the lampstand there, and then light it to turn it on. So that there will be light in the holy place. Amen. Amen. And thou shalt set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony. And put the hangings of the door to the tabernacle. Now the way they made this statement, if, if you don't know what the arrangement is, you may confuse what they are saying. Because they move into the holy place. But they now mention the most holy. 
or what you put in front of the most holy, which may be, is this thing supposed to be the most holy? No, it's not. Now, they're talking about, say, say the altar of gold. Notice what I mentioned is gold, right? Things that they put in the sanctuary, all of gold. Say the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony. Now, the, we know that the ark of the testimony is in the most holy. Why is he saying before the ark? It makes sense. I say, and put the angings of the door to the tabernacle. <laughs> now, you notice that the, you already put a veil to separate it, yeah. to separate the ark, which is in the most holy from the holy place. Now, this altar of gold is the altar right by the veil before you enter into the most holy. Amen. This is where you make offering. To yeah. God in righteousness. Mm. Amen. Amen. This is what Malachi is talking about. Oh. That Malachi three that we always read, right? Mm. And that see that and 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 uh, you know what? Let me read it. That Malachi three. Today is more like a class, so it's not, it's not like, so it's, it's like a class showing us a few things. So Malachi 3 says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, said the Lord of hosts. Amen. But who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and a fuller's soul. And it shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and shall purify the sons of Levi, and push them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. So all this thing that he's talking about, he's talking about a messenger, right? Which is of the covenant, which is in the temple, right? He shall refine like a flash of, of fire. <laughs> what they burn upon that altar is coal. It's actually for the purpose of refining. So there's a things, there's a ministry of that altar, which it does to a soul, and the ministry between the soul and the altar to allow an offering. Does that make sense? Coal, I mean, you have to understand what the altar is for, yeah. right? The altar there, what you burn upon the altar is coal. So you are burning incense, you are burning coal. Coal is fire, really. Mm. Heat. That is not... You know what fire releases is heat, right? So the coal there is almost like a flame that is not burning, but it's a flame. Mm. Now, when you now go to Isaiah 6, this is where it will make sense a little bit more. Because I'm just, uh, just trying to connect that. Hey! I'm just I'm explaining just holy places. We are going from the most holy outside. Amen. So we are not going from outside. We are going from the most holy. The description in Exodus is from the most holy outward. So Isaiah 6 says to prophet Isaiah, In the year King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So, 
As I saying here that where he saw the Lord is in the temple. Don't forget they said in that Malachi 3, said the, the, the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come into his temple. So you see the same area they are talking about. Right? Said above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried one to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is this is the cry of holiness in the holy place. Which seraphims cry, because that's how they worship in the holy place. Amen. So when they want to Praise God in the holy place. Mm. They cry, holy, holy, holy. Is mm. the Lord of hosts. That's a, that's a different, that's a kind of praise. Is the Lord of hosts. Host. Because those seraphims are hosts. Mm. Right? They are hosts. Mm. So the way they praise the Lord is the Lord of hosts. Our, pretty much they're saying our Lord. Holy, holy, holy. You will never see that outside the holy place. You will never... You don't cry holy, holy, holy outside the holy place. Because holiness begins in the holy place. It says, holiness unto the Lord. You see that in that Exodus. You see that Exodus. Exodus 20... I read 39, right? In 37... Actually, in 39, not 37, in 39, if you read verse 30, it says, And they made the plate of the holy crown. That's what that's one of the things a priest must wear, right? And they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote upon it a writing like to the engraving of a signet. It says, Holiness to the Lord. Now, because what they were making is a garment for the holy place. So, when you begin to move into the holy place, you begin to see holiness to the Lord. So the worship of holiness begins in the holy place, right? And they now began, now began to cry to the Lord, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Amen. Amen. Because in the holy place, they worship God based on their person. Yeah. If you want to worship God outside the court, I guess maybe you say, we worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord God. Bye. Because you don't have a sense of holiness there. Yeah. You can't. And people there, I don't know, how do I put it? That just works. That just works in places of his dominion. Right? But when you move into the holy place, you begin to talk with the seraphims. Right? We are hosts or ministers of his that do is pleasure. Amen. Amen. So, who they really call minister, right, is man of the holy place. So when Christ is in the holy place, is a, a minister of the sanctuary. That minister there, hmm? of course, we can, there's a way we can, there's a lot we can get out of that because it, talk, it talks about his ministry there. But it's not just about that alone, it's also in nature. 
Because in the way they say, bless the Lord, ye ministers of ease. You don't see a minister outside the holy place. But when you see a minister is in the holy place, that's where ministry begins. But that doesn't mean they have not been doing ministry because there's a Levite outside, right, that sings, that takes the animals, right, slay them. It's part of service. I'll call that service, not ministry. Does that make sense? So, when you have ministry or ministers, it begins in the holy place. So, when you have ministers, come bless the Lord, those servants that stand by night are ministers. They are also servants. Amen. But that's what you have there. Let me quickly read this so that because of time. Um, it says, Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twin he covered his face, and with twin he covered his feet, and with twin he did fly. So they're talking about these angels, seraphims, or seraphs called fire. And what seraphims really mean is the burning one. The burning one. So you, you already see attributes of burning in this holy place. So seraphim means the burning one. The bone. What that tells you is that that area eh, is a purifying area. What you have inside the holy place is fire. Even though what you see is a candlestick that seems harmless and is stable for now, we will see what else is there. Right? And then you have the altar. The reason why I'm talking about this is the altar, right? So you have the altar which has coal. Things, things inside that place is for is for burning. Me, I mean that bread said it's also that bread there that you are seeing there that is bread like food you chop has an intent to also burn. When it begins to deal interact with the soul, right? But that's that. Then you move. Uh, so let me read further in this uh, Isaiah. I, I, I don't know why I'm. I don't want to lose this. No, that's why I have plenty. I think I can use this. Because I mean, I might as well. Because I don't. I'm using one hand, one hand. <laughs> Amen. You are laughing at me. So let me not use one hand, one hand all the time. Let me just go there, so that I can be reading the same, reading the the, the two books at the same time, if I need to. So. Amen. Amen. So in verse that Isaiah six, verse three, say, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts; the whole earth is full of His glory. And because of time, I don't know if I will get there, but this holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, right? You will see it, but you will see also see another holy, holy, holy cry. But what you see that is in the book of Revelation, right? Now you go to. The book of Revelations, chapter I think it's four. Verse 8. Amen. 
in this revelation uh, revelations 4 8 they began to this is when john moved into the heavens they said come up eater right i said a door was opened heaven his voice and say come up eater and he moved and said he was in the spirit but what they moved him to is the most holy amen, amen. and then they began to describe the cherubims of glory amen. and let me read it actually from verse 6. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne, and around about the throne, were four beasts, full of eyes, before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second like a calf. And the third beast had the face of a man. And the fourth beast was like flying eagle. And the four beasts, each, uh, each of them, six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night saying holy 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 lord god almighty which was and is and is to come amen now you see the way they praise the lord holy holy is the lord god almighty is a is a different cry from holy 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 is the lord of hosts now this is a this is a worship in the most holy, because the, the beast worshiping are cherubims of glory, where glory resides is in the most holy. Right. So this cry is holy, holy Lord God Almighty. He's talking about where that praise is coming from. So the Bible didn't make mistake. They didn't, this one in Isaiah didn't just feel like saying holy, 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 holy is Lord of hosts. It's because they are seraphs. They worship, like I mentioned, they worship according to their person. Our Lord, Lord of hosts. Now, these other ones, cherubs, they are cherubs of might. They are, they are strong angel. Amen? So when they worship, they worship according to their person and where they are. It's a holy, holy, because it's also a holy place. It's the most holy. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. They are might, but God is almighty. He's the most mighty. So that's how they worship him in there. So that's the worship in the most holy, which is different from the holy place. Now, this holy place, I just have to mention that just to just to separate the two. Amen. But let's continue about that fire. Right? Above it stood the seraphim, then verse 4 says, and the post of the door moved. At the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke, pretty much glory. Then said, I, what is me? For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. So the moment they moved him and the Lord appeared, he began to look and began to see his, his frailty, his unholiness. Ah, I am dirty, man. Then, because I am a man of unclean lips, I am undone. Say, so I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. Say, so for my eyes have seen the king. The Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me. So one of the seraphs came unto him. Amen. Amen. Having a live coal in his hand. You see? A live what? What a live coal means is that it is burning. Because you have a dead coal. A dead coal is all those that coal that you have not set on fire. To make a coal live, you have to set it on fire. Right? If it's not on fire, you can't, you can't, you can't activate it to become alive. Right? 
So once the the sense of is alive, he took a life call, which he had taken with tongues from off the altar. Mm-hmm. He took it from that altar that I was talking to you about. That is between. That is in the veil, just by the veil, right? Which is before the ark, but it's not directly in front of it. There's a veil that separates it, right? And he laid it upon my mouth. That's verse 7. And said, Lo, these are touched my li- thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. You see? The purpose of the when I see the purpose of the call is to purge sin. Take away iniquity. Purge sin. Right? Now understand in that Malachi 3 that says that the messenger of the covenant shall appear. And he shall sit as a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver and gold. Right? Purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold. You see the, word they are, the words they are using? Purge. Purify. Purge. That's the same statement, the same language they used in Isaiah. So your sin is purged. So you see purging takes place in the holy place. There's, a, there's something in there. There's a ministry going on in there. Amen. Say, as good and silver that, he may, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now, what I explained to you earlier about the ministry of the altar to you and you to the altar is what this is saying. That he shall purify them and purge them. That is the ministry of the altar to the soul. When that happens upon the soul, it purifies the soul to a degree such that the soul have the ability to now offer offerings in righteousness. If, if, if he has not been purged by the coal of that place, he can't come and offer. So, I guess, is it not clear what I was explaining? That the altar has a ministry to you. To purge you. Yeah. And then you also have a ministry to the altar. Or interaction with the altar. After the altar has purged, then you move to the altar and then offer right. offerings in righteousness. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I don't know why this thing came to me, but I don't know if this is necessary because of time. Shall I? Time has gone. We're only in the only place. Um, I wanted to ask, do you know the difference between offering and sacrifice? Yeah. You know that they're not the same. To offer an offering. Does that make sense? Okay. Offering is a free gift. Does that make sense? Sacrifice is not a free gift. Does that make sense? Sacrifice means you have to sacrifice something. Does that make sense? It means you have to, you want it, it's your own, but you have to let it go. Right? So, when you sacrifice, you have to let something go. When you make offering, you are not letting anything go. You are offering yourself. Right? Jesus Christ also had to offer himself. Amen? According to Hebrew, right? 
Offering means you are see that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Right. Means that they have the capability to. If the altar has not purged you, you don't have you are not enabled. You don't have the capacity to offer yourself because your sin has not yet been purged. So that kind of thing God can take. But before then, God can take sacrifices. Does that make sense? What God takes to enable you later on to be able to offer offering is sacrifice. Does that make sense? So, you know, you're not, but when we read later, we'll see in that, ah, you people should go and read this Exodus. Now, Exodus and Leviticus. That's where you see it. The, the area of offering and sacrifice is in Leviticus. Because that's when God began to talk to Moses. Different offerings and sacrifices. Does that make sense? So, you, off, you offer unto the Lord something. What, or you offer your, yourself. What God, what you offer to the Lord is what God can take. You offer it to him. Right? He can take it. Sacrifice is not necessarily what God can take. He, may, he, he just acts. I want you to accept. Accept because what God accepts yeah. is an offering. Yeah. A sacrifice is majorly for you. Mm. Not for God. Does that make sense? Because sacrifice is what Israel give to, for, so that God can cover their sin for the year. So that sacrifice is for them to allow them in a measure to approach God. Does that make sense? I don't know why, I, why that came to me. I have to explain it, but I don't, I don't know. But anyways, let's move further. Right? But, so it's not say that they may be able to what offer offerings in righteousness. Um, we now see in this chapter in Isaiah 6, right? This is Isaiah 6, verse verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having the life coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongue from the off the altar, and laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lord, this actors that lives and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purge. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So I think I just wanted to explain that altar area to see what the ministry of the altar is, right? But let me quickly go back to what we are reading. Because of time, I'm already past past time, so I have like 15 more minutes. And if we, if we don't finish today, we don't finish then. We'll continue from there. Amen. Life no hard. Life hard? No, life is not hard. Amen. So, so I felt... I felt maybe there, there won't be any grace to even teach this thing, but God is helping us. Amen. Verse, uh, so let's go back to Exodus chapter 40. And we'll go to verse 5. That's where we stopped, eh? And thou shalt set the altar of gold for the incense before the ark of the testimony, and put the hangings of the door to the tabernacle. And thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. Does that make sense to us? <laughs> I know the way they, the way they arrange it. Some of us, the way we, the way we are reading, the way they, what is, it? is anybody confused by what they just said here? <laughs> Amen. Okay, let's read it again. 
and thou shalt set the altar of the all of the what burnt offering. Now, before this, let me go back to chapter five. Sorry, verse five. It says, and put the angles of the door to the tabernacle. Now, this angle they are talking about is the first veil, which separates the the tabernacle or the sanctuary from the outer outer court. So from outside the outer court, there's a veil before you move into the holy place, which is sanctuary. Then there's another second veil, which is the one before the ark, where they place the altar of incense. Does that make sense? Yes. I now notice in in, in, uh, Hebrews, now that we're reading, that Paul was saying, when they're in is the second veil. So that second veil that I was referring to is the one just before the most holy. Now this one, right, in verse 5 here of Exodus, and put the angles of the door to the tabernacle. So it is a door to the tabernacle. Does that make sense? Meaning that it is a door that allows you to enter into the tabernacle. Right? So they said he will, he will put that hang in there. Then verse 6, and thou shalt set the altar. You know there's a progression of how God was telling him. So after he puts the hang in, that means they have, they have moved out of the sanctuary or the holy place or the temple. Right? Or they have moved out of the tabernacle. Right? They are now in the area of the altar court. That's where they are. And says, and thou shalt set the the what the altar of the burnt offering before the door. Now let's not be confused by this thing. What they're just saying is that in front of the door is where you have that altar, but that doesn't mean it's immediately in front of the door. Okay. How we know that is when we begin to read that they begin to talk about something that will be in between. Yeah. Right? It says, and thou shalt set the and thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering. Now the burnt offering. Altar is the altar that is in the outer outer court. That's the outer court, right? Before you move into the holy place, so there's a there's a there's it's not the same altar we just read about. The one we read about is called the altar of incense. This one is called the altar of burnt offering. Amen. So the altar, the he said, that shall, that shall what? Set the altar of the burnt offering. You see, in verse 5, it is called the one before the veil that I was explaining now that they took a call from. It's called the altar for the incense. So it's called the altar of incense. That's what they call it. Now, this one that is in the outer court is called the altar of the burnt offering. Because sometimes in my confusion, we don't know the difference. It might confuse us, right? So it's the altar of the burnt offering. That one, what they, what they do, you read it, Shah. I mean, I especially to go to the Leviticus, you see a lot of what they do there. So it makes a lot. So I guess now we read from Exodus 20 to the end of Leviticus. Guys, good luck. But I mean, on Tuesday is Exodus. I'll ask for you guys. Amen. Amen. Says before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. Amen. Verse seven. Says, and thou shalt set the lava. Amen. Amen. 
between the tent of the congregation and the altar. You know, see that the tent of the what they call the tent of the congregation really is the tabernacle. So the tabernacle is what they call the tent of the congregation. Now says, and I shall set the lava between the tent of the congregation and the altar, and shall put water therein. So what they are saying here is that, you know, the way God instructed him is first of all put the altar in front of the of the door, right? Now put a lava in between the tabernacle and the altar. Does that make sense? Yeah. Why are, you, why are we confused? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's before. It's okay. Before let's let's take the step one by one. Okay, go ahead. It's after the altar of the burnt offering, but before the door of the tabernacle, but before the no. tent of the no. Sorry. Okay. Let's use let's use English. I wonder why we are confused. No, the tabernacle okay. is a whole is a whole okay. thing. Okay, and then it's built in. Yes, so the tabernacle is the whole thing. Okay, it's not just a particular place. Okay, or a particular part of the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the whole holy, most holy, the tent. That was called the tent yes. of the congregation. Okay. Is a tent. Yeah. Inside it is holy, most holy. They called the two the tabernacle. Let's go back to verse 1 because that will make sense. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, On the first day of the month shall thou set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. That's what I said that the tabernacle is it's called the tent of the congregation. So the tabernacle is the two places they were describing from chapter 3 to chapter 6. That makes sense. Yeah. So the tabernacle is not the holy place. The tabernacle is not the most holy. The tabernacle is the two. Amen. Amen. So the now says in verse six, and thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. That's talking to verse one now. Yeah. You see, so. Like I, and I was explaining earlier, you people are not following me. Because I said we have moved out. We are now in the outer court. Yeah. If we are now in the outer court, that means that tent that we are describing holy and most holy, we have moved out of it. Yeah. We are now in the court. They, they don't mention it here, but we are going to hear it. But because I know that's why I'm explaining, right? It says, And thou shalt set the altar of the burnt offering before the door. Right? Of the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. So now, the tabernacle as a whole is like this. They are not saying you shall put the altar in front of it. So that is it here. Right? Let's assume this is the altar. Amen. So as you are drawing, no, I hope we are drawing this thing. This is the big square I said we should draw and separate it into. The first part is the holy, most holy. The second part is the holy place according to how they are describing it in this chapter because they are, they are coming from the most holy outward that's how they are describing these things amen 
Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And he said in the verse 7, and thou shalt set the lava. Now, if you want to know what the lava is, you have to go back and read from 25 to. <laughs> now, this lava is what they call the brazen lava. It's a lava made of brass. The material they used for it is brass. Now realize that it's no longer gold. They've moved inside the holy place and mostly what they used is gold. Now they've moved out. Now you have brass. Now this this altar of burnt offering is also called the brazen altar. Meaning the altar made of brass. Right? So when you have brazen altar or you have altar of burnt offering, they are the same. Amen. Let's go further. And thou shalt set the lava between the tent of the congregation. The tent of the congregation, you shall set the lava in between it. And what? And the altar. And shall put water therein. So they are telling us that they'll put something in between this and this. If something is between this and this, where will it be? In between them. So it means that this brazen lava, according to how they are explaining, is the one after the veil. Then after the lava, you have the altar of burnt offering. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So, according to what we are drawing, I hope you are drawing. If you are not drawing, I hope you are drawing it mentally and you can draw it later. Right? So, you have the altar, you have the tabernacle. You have the tabernacle, mm. which contains the holy and most holy. Yeah. Then you have the brazen or the brazen lava, or the lava that they just told us now. Yeah. That is right after it. Then after it, you have the altar of burnt offering. So these are instruments, yeah. are furnitures actually. Amen. Yeah. I'm almost ending today. Yeah. And thou shalt in verse eight. Okay, sorry, verse 7 says, and thou shalt put water there. So they have to put water inside this lava. Inside. This is what they call it lava is because it's a lava of water. Okay. I mean, do you know what lava means? Lava is like, it's like, when you, you think of a volcano lava, right? Mm. It's, it's almost like, it's, it's a, it holds, pretty much holds, holds liquid, right? Mm. Pretty much holds water here. It's holding water. So they call it the brazen lava. lava, right? So it's a lava which is like it's like a bowl, mm, okay. which they put water in. Mm. Amen. But anyways, you can Google what lava is. And, mm. Amen. Yeah. In case if you don't know what lava is, but according to this, for the purpose of this teaching, it is a bowl that you put water in. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And that shall. In verse 8, and thou shalt set up the court round about and hang up the hangings at the court gate. Hmm. You see, now they're now explaining the court. Yeah. So now they're saying that you have to have the word they are using, hanging, hanging, may confuse you if you don't know what yeah. was instructed. Hmm. Because the way God told Moses to hmm. do it is he will have to hang it. Pretty much what it built is a fence. Yes. But the fence is made up of hangings. So you have pillars. Mm. And you have cloth, linens, that you hang one onto another to, mm. to almost make like a fence. Mm. 
right? Does, am I crazy? Like you have a fence here, you know there will be like a pillar. Yeah. There are that pillar. They now have things that they join, yeah. not hang, they nail. Okay. I'm using a natural, a normal okay. fence, okay. normal fence. If you look at the fence out here, yeah. you notice that when you look at the way it's built, everybody's looking at the fence. Yeah, help you look. If you like, look at the way it is built, you notice that there are like markings that's like horizontal. Yeah. They are all horizontal, but you notice that there are like standings yeah. that is thicker than the rest that almost separate like a space. Or you can look at this okay. one, self. Yeah. Like this, or you see that there are different pillars. Yeah. yeah. And in that pillars, you now notice that there's a long one nailed in between. Yeah. Right? Now, mm. for the purpose of the way God asked Moses to do it, mm. you have pillars, but you don't have nail. You don't have, uh, you are not nailing Anything. any wood in between them. You are hanging cloth in between them. Okay. So, pretty much what you have is a fence okay. of cloth. Does that make sense? Yeah. A fence made with cloth. Mm. If you're going to have a fence made with cloth, Asher, mm. you have to hang the cloth now. Right? Mm. You can't nail cloth. Well, maybe you can, but the way God instructed Moses is to hang it. Okay. And you don't realize that the reason why God would tell them not to nail and hang, you notice everything is almost hang. hang. Yeah. Mm. The reason is so that it can be moved. Okay. Israel is mobile. mobile. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. So if God is God, God is not foolish. God knows that these people are not yet in the promised land. They will eventually get them. But while they are not there yet, they need something that it is lightweight. God is God is a master designer, man. You know, there's no way God reasoned with Moses here. Say, oh, Moses, do you know? Okay, you know what? What I want to give you is something lightweight. Okay, what do you think? Okay, let's the way we engineers think. Uh, we're trying to build something movable. Mm-hmm. How do we do it? Mm, uh, we need something that will be very light so that we can carry it very easily. And uh, we also need something that will be uh, easily set up and easily dismantled. Um, very fast. What can we do? Then you start thinking about, okay, the materials we can use for lightweight, we check materials. Imagine God, imagine God asks them to make, see that altar of good. To make everything of pure good. Do you think how heavy do you think that would be? So God after them use wood, but yeah. valet with gold. Wow. <laughs> wow. Because and God says shitting wood. I'm pretty sure that wood must be light. I don't know, I don't I've not researched it, but I'm pretty sure that wood must be light. Wow. Even if it's not light, the measurement God gave yeah. them will ensure that, that thing is light. Because God, the master planner, did not do engineering with them. He already know their situation. So when God is, that tells me something. When God is making provision for you, Amen. he knows what you need. Amen. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Without you even talking. Yeah. Yeah. Did Moses say, Lord, our problem is this? Mm. Yeah. God knows. That is a proof that God knows every need. And what is going to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So God told them to hang the hangers. Let me read it. And then I'll round up 
for today. And thou shalt set up the court roundabout and hang up the hangings at the court gate. Amen. Now, by the gate, so for example, so you now have, you have this, this thing here, mm-hmm. right? You now say you shall have the court roundabout, meaning that roundabout this thing, you need to set up a court. That means you now have something round about it, which is a demarcation. So that is now the big square that will envelope the rest of these things that we have outlined here. Amen. Amen. And in this court, you also need a gate for you to enter. The symbol you have been hanging the veil, the door into the court too is also a hanging. Amen. Amen. Say, and thou shalt set up the court roundabout and hang up the hangings at the court gate. Because there's an hanging at the court gate. Amen. Yeah. And thou shalt take the anointing oil. Then God began to explain other things. And anoint the tabernacle and all that is therein and shall hallow it and all the vessels thereof, and they shall be holy. And thou shalt anoint the altar of the burnt offering, and all its vessels, and sanctify the altar, and it shall be an altar most holy. And thou shalt anoint the lava, and the foot, and sanctify it, and thou shalt bring Aaron and his sons unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and wash them with water. You notice what he's saying? That when you get to the tabernacle, you have to wash with water. Where are they getting the water they used to wash from? From the lava. You see how God, you see God was arranging things, right? So the water from the lava is what they used to wash before they move into the but God was explaining that, right? And thou shalt anoint the lava. Okay, thou shalt anoint Aaron and his sons. Verse 13, and thou shalt put Aaron, I shall and put upon Aaron the only garment, and anoint him and sanctify him, and that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And thou shalt bring his sons and clothe them with coat. And I shall anoint them as thou didst anoint their father, that they may minister unto me in the priest's office. For their anointing shall surely be an everlasting priesthood throughout their generations. Amen. Amen. Now, this is just a quick um, outline of the, the tabernacle as well as the court. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, so when you hear tabernacle, you know, in a way, to when we hear tabernacle, sometimes it can be confusing. Sometimes we think it's the holy place. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think it's the most holy. Sometimes we think it's the entire court and the, and the holy and most holy place. But when you talk about tabernacle, it's really the holy place and most holy. But depending on scripture, they might, they might reference the tabernacle, right? And while talking about the holy place. Or they might reference the tabernacle while talking about the most holy. Because it is a part of the tabernacle. Does that make sense? Now, that gives us the whole picture of the tabernacle. Right? Now, we have not, we've not talked about the service around it. I don't know if I'll be able to talk about that one. Because, uh, at least not today. And all these things, you see all this, all this material, all this court, all this, there, there's a way, there's an arrangement around it. Right? Now, in summary, see this tabernacle that I mentioned. The material that they used for it, if we read that 25 to 30, 
It's such like I explained it, it's such that light does not enter there. It means that the light, natural, this natural sun and moonlight does not get in there. Then the light they use there is the candle light. Notice it said, put the candlestick. Yeah. So when you now begin to hear the scripture talking about, it will light my candle. The candle of the Lord. Mm. Right? You're hearing candle. It's talking about dealings. Mm. <laughs> like we read in the book of Revelation, there shall be no more night, nor candle. Right? Mm. So he's saying that it's no longer as dark as it used to be. Mm. It's no longer using the natural light. You don't need the candlestick light there. No more candle. That candle there is referring to the candle light that is in the holy place. Because now, they've, in the world to come, they've, they've, they've merged the two. There's no more holy place and most holy. Everything is most holy. Does that make sense? So if everything is most holy and the glory of the Lord is the light thereof, then you don't need the candle light anymore. Meaning that at this time, God doesn't need to command another light anymore. Because the people that are here can receive his light because his light is what is now lighting up everywhere. Many the people can receive it. It is no longer like before where people can't receive it. He has to yeah. give a light, command it to shine, to allow people to come and receive his light. So the scriptures tell us a whole lot of things, right? Now, see this demarcation of the court that we just saw? Talks about limitations. Not just, I say limit, limit, God limiting sin. Does that make sense? Yes, Before you entered into the court, you must be an Israel. Mm. But it's not all Israel that entered the court. Because you can toast not to go there and sacrifice. Mm. God will not force you. Wow. Right? But you are meant to come here, sacrifice for sin, and go back. Mm. But the arrangement is not meant to be like that. It was supposed to be that come, enter, journey into the tabernacle. Move into the holy place, then from there, most holy. But because there are limitations, they couldn't. There, there's something that there's a way God arranged it to show different limitations, both God limiting sin and. Uh, is it called limiting sin, really? Or God showing the limitations of sin in men when it comes to relating with Him? Right? Because the Israel that come and sacrifice and go back, they are not permanently in the court. They come in sacrifice and go back. Yeah. Technically, they are not. They are not members of the court. They don't live. They, they, have, they have no clothes. You know, they come. The member, the people that live there, they are the Levites. They will come and collect sacrifice from their hand. Then wow. okay, bye bye, go. They will go. Wow. Then the people that live in the court will do their own service, do their thing there. Then the priest will come, take things further into the tabernacle. Does that make sense? Yeah. Not show, not, that's not showing us different stages mm. in growth. Mm. See these people that bring sacrifice every time, they're not yet in the kingdom. Mm. They're outside. outside. But once you enter the kingdom, you don't go out and be your, your own, your own uh, portion. is inside the court. Mm. That's where you stay. Does that make sense? Yes. Then you begin to relate. The purpose of that is so that you can grow. And be able to enter the tabernacle as a priest. Then when you enter the tabernacle, then you also have the right to become a high priest who can enter the most holy. Is demarcating growth. 
in believers. And this, as you are demarcating growth, is also showing power of sin in men. It's because the reason what is limiting them from going further is because they don't have levels of holiness. It makes sense. Praise the Lord. I think I just stopped today. I think I have tried because uh, of time. Let's just begin to thank the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you. Give you all the praise. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. Mezerenaita elebesto veri mushita bariata. Em zutu veni mushita kaliteseta bariata. Em zutu veni mushita kaliaste. Em zutu veni mushita kaliteseta veni mushita. Em zata veni mushite keritazata. Em zutu veni mushita veni mushita veni mata. Em zuzu zuzu deta. Em zovere mushita vani moseketenia. Em priazo tu veni mushita. Em priazo tu veni mushita. Em azete heri mushite heri mujide bota. Em uzete veni mushite. Em uzete veni mushite. Em uzete veni mushite veni mushite. Em zuto veni mushite karia. Em zete veni mushite kelete Stephania. Em zuto veni mushita veni mushita. Em zuto veni mushita kariaste. Em uzete. Em uzete veni mushita variaste. Em zata. Em zata. Em zorina mushite. Emaragata, 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 emaragata. Em zote vene moshita variasti. Em zote vene moshita kata. Em zote vene moshita keriasti. Em zata, em zata, zata vana moshita. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Even you have uh, given to us to look into your word today. Say we are exalted in Jesus' name. But I will pray, O oh Lord. That as we continue to even look upon these things, you begin to establish these things even much more in our heart in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers. We give you all the praise. We pray, oh Lord, for each and every one of us that you continue to strengthen us, even in understanding, even to begin to think how these things relate to us, even spiritually, in the mighty name of Jesus. Help us to grow, to receive much strength in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers. For in Jesus' mighty name. Between the Jeremy, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim, shine forth.